Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. I expect Jordan Addison, obviously, to make an impact. I think he's, as a route runner and as a player, he's a little bit further ahead than a lot of rookies. I mean, he's, he's definitely more refined. Him having an office in that building for as long as he did, even when he wasn't the head coach, he left his, his mark on this franchise. And, and uh, you know, there aren't many like him. What is going on, Vikings fans? Happy Happy post-Memorial Day week as we welcome you inside the TCO Radio Studio here in Egan. My name is Gabe Henderson. I'm alongside Jay Nelson and producer Eric Davidson. On the phone, on the call right now, joining us today for our show is Vikings analyst Mr. Pete Bursich. Pete, ha- have you eaten enough hot dogs and hamburgers this weekend? Like I, you, you were sounding a little groggy when you were talking before we started recording. Um, yeah, it's the bad food hangover, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, isn't that what you do over, you know, Memorial Day? I mean, obviously you pay your respects and then you just kind of eat yourself silly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's become, it's Americana. And yeah, it's something weird about when you get a Friday off, Mm. right? You know, it's like, it's just like an early weekend. But when you get that Monday off and then it's Tuesday, it's like Tuesday, like a Monday. Mm -hmm. And it's even worse than a Monday, right? A Tuesday with Monday off, I think is worse and just going in with a Monday. It's it's like a double whammy on Tuesday morning. Yeah, I thoroughly expect myself to be off for about the next two weeks trying to figure out what day it is purely <laughs> because of that. <laughs> I know. It's... But it is what it is. I'll take it. I'm not complaining. Don't get you know. Don't get me wrong. Pete, Pete, as a as a former player and a former coach for the Vikings, um, this you know post Memorial Day or post Memorial Tuesday, like was that? I put it this way: as a coach. Was it, I guess, a test day for the players to see how much they ate and drank over the weekend? Like, do you put them through like conditioning tests? Well, we, I mean, back in the day, it was, we had about two weeks, you know, about 10 days in June and you had a mini camp and really that was it. Mm. Memorial Day weekend was, you know, as a player, that was kind of it. You know what I mean? It's, you know, Memorial Day and then now it's June, July. So it's work time. The worst is the four, as a player, the worst was the 4th of July. Because you'd go out and watch fireworks, and then when the fireworks are done, you're like, "Okay, I got like two or three weeks to go to get ready for training camp." <laughs> I mean, it was rough. Now, for a coach, you're just trying to get to middle of June ish, so you have that month off, right? You get that you get that nice vacation. So um, Memorial Day is just kind of getting everything ready, you know, for as a coach to get to get your month off to figure out where you're going to go and what you're going to do. But, you know, with the players, it's if you have somebody who's off, um, you know, let's say one way or another needs to get some things done, at least now in the beginning of June, they can have, you know, two months or so to work on it. Right. If a guy's a little bit heavy, not heavy enough, um, you know, still rehabbing. But, you know, so it's a good time to get that evaluation in and sit down and say, all right, you've got, you know, eight weeks before training camp starts. Let's, you know, what are you going to do and how are you going to get yourself ready for day one? So uh, it's a good it's a good check time because you still have you still have some time to correct it. Right. It's not like you're meeting. If you had a practice sometime in July and some you got guys with problems or guys that aren't where they're supposed to be, it's only it's really too late. It's one of those things, too, Pete. I got to believe, like, even as the coaches look at it, you know, that's like a what, 22 to 28 week grind 
after you guys get back and, and really get going as a former coach looking at this time of year even just for the the mental side for the coaching staff kind of what are they going through in that process once OTAs and minicamp and everything are done everyone just kind of looks at it typically as the five to six weeks oh you're off and then you just come back for camp what are the coaches and those guys kind of going through during that off time as well well it's it's truly off time you know and people and you're right about that Jay is saying you know uh why you get a whole month off it's like well no, because you don't get any, you don't, once the season starts, you don't get any days off any, you might, there might be with, with the schedule, the way it is now, you might catch a, a day or, or two during the season, maybe um, to truly have a day off to not be in the building. Uh, but basically you're, you're there every day. I mean, man, well, you know, you're there from seven in the morning till whatever time at night, you know, midnight, whatever time it is to get everything done. Yeah, and, and right now you're just getting everything ready for training camp. You're making sure before you leave on vacation that every, you have a, an outline for every single practice, you know, exactly what's being installed in every period right now for training camp. Will it change when you get there? Of course, everything, you know, things change. But as a position coach, we, I had every single, every single drill that we did, right? Every single drill that you did in an in individual during training camp written down and then you had them inserted to make sure that you covered everything every little scenario every technique everything you wanted to and you wrote it out and you had it all laid out for the next you know for the six weeks of training camp including preseason and so that's how that's how prepared you were so when you left in the middle you know middle of june and got back in the middle of july you were ready to go there was no there was no work to do when you showed up on, on July. It was just, let's get everything in boxes to move, which you don't have to do now. But from when, from the minute training camp started, you had every single minute for the next six weeks planned out. You knew every, every practice, every meeting, everything. It's an unbelievable amount of preparation. So when you take that month off, there's really nothing to do or there shouldn't be anything to do. Sure. And I, you know, I've talked about this before in the past, given other guests and stuff, but I just, it always sticks out to me. There's a former coach that we had on this team. They were talking about the kind of difference of having summer off versus the other times. Um, they were, they had played in San Francisco, ended up becoming, coming friendly with Barry Bonds at the time, was hanging out 4th of July week, you know, with Barry hitting batting practice. And Barry just looked at him and said, man, I wish I had your schedule. You guys got the summers off. You get to do whatever you want that way. And he just looked at Barry and said, well, I wish I had your, your, you know, time frame as well. And Barry's like, why is that? And he said, well, you get Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And it, it's all just kind of cyclical. Yeah. But when it comes to that time of year, I think between the coaches, players and everybody, especially during this upcoming, I guess, two months of, of June and July, you got to take advantage of it whenever you get the chance. Yeah, you do. I mean, you, you really do. And um, as a coach, um, you know, you, you have families and you have lives too, right? So you have to understand as a coach, if um, somebody's getting married in the fall, you're not going. Yeah. If somebody has a baby in the fall, you're not going. Um, if anything happens in the fall, I mean, you know, I'm talking funerals too. I mean, if there's yeah, your crazy. life. You, you don't do anything. I mean, you don't do anything but football for, uh, you know, 21 weeks or 22 weeks, however that season goes, or maybe longer. Um, and then you attack on the preseason before that. So, um, you know, you, you are, you have a job and you do that job and that's all you do. And so it's, 
it's a you know 100 percent on uh so when these guys get that that you know that month off it's you need to be 100 percent off too but that's you know that's the other that's the other kind of side of it is is which i think has changed too i don't know if people dread camp like they used to you know there was a time i mean you know camp was you would go to bed the night before training camp and you would think this is the best I'm going to feel for the next six months. <laughs> right. Yeah. You lay there and you're like, okay, this is it you know, for the next six months. I'm not going to, I'm never going to feel this good again. Yep. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> that, that dread starts to creep in a little bit and then you start getting excited and you know, you know, you, there's a lot at stake. I mean, for coaches too, your job's at stake. So you have to produce. And um, so it's a, it's a, it's an environment unlike any other, um, I've ever been involved in. P, you you know who <laughs> who probably deserves this break or wants this break more than any anybody? These you. rookies. Uh, me too. Yeah, me too. I can I can use a little <laughs> bit of a of a break. But uh, having Jay and Eric in here, I, I feel like I'm in good peace. They're not as loud as my house right now. Um, no, but yeah, they do. As a, you know, I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head with that one because you think about it. It's been it for them. It's been it's been 12 months of constant go, go, go. Right. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, 12 months. So it's because a year ago, they're getting ready to go their senior years in college and you play that whole season. And then when that season is over, um, uh, you, you go right to what you go right to senior bowl yeah. and, you know, postseason bowl games. And then after that, you get yourself ready. You're training specifically for the combine. And then you go through all that. And then after the combine, you got to get yourself ready for the pro day and then get the draft. And then you get drafted and you're like, oh, yeah, that was my goal. I did it. And then it's like, right, you jump on a plane, mm-hmm. you, you you walk into a, a meeting room full of guys who are just getting themselves starting again, started again, who have had, you know, the, they're done, you know, they had January, February, March, they were cleaning their heads and getting everything out of their minds. And then, oh, by the way, you get hit with a whole entire new playbook. <laughs> yeah, whole entire new team. Um, you you can't study enough. You you can't learn enough. You and you have you hit that. So it's that's why these guys have a tendency mid late season um, mentally to struggle and sometimes physically because it is. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to speak to the incoming rookie class uh, less with Les Pico, and they did kind of an event uh, just for those guys and. That's you know you tell them this is a, your, this is the worst year of your football life, trust me. Yeah. I'm talking about your football life. This is it. This 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 next you know eighteen eighteen weeks um, you know camp and all that, but the regular season, yeah, this is the worst because you're uh, you know mentally you have to, you you have to watch film, you have to do extra work. You know, college, if you had the same staff, you know, you, you knew what was going on. You could get out of there early or whatever. But now you, you know, <laughs> you you can't do, you can't meet enough. You can't watch enough film uh, your rookie year. So it's a mental, it's a big mental hit too. And, and they just got to find a way to get through it because it only gets easier after that, you know. It's just when you go to camp and know what to expect, when you know what to expect in the preseason, you know what to expect opening day, you know what to expect on that first Monday night game, you know what to expect come playoff time, right? You you just have, you settle in and you, you know, you learn You and going into your second year, you know so much more than you did a month ago. You just got to keep building. So yeah, that's that r- rookie year sucks. And, and it's not, and it's not even, there's no hazing anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
there's, you know, you don't have to worry about going out to your car and it not starting or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause the battery has been disconnected. Bing. You don't have to worry about singing your school fight song at, at, at lunchtime <laughs> or at dinner. You know, you don't have to worry about being taped up to the goalpost. You don't have to worry about Vaseline in your helmet. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, all, you know, all those, all the things that we had to deal with as a, as a rookie. Plus like with those guys, you know, you're just talking about a little bit too, with their kind of the, the season itself. Once you get past that week 10, all of a sudden they're kind of in no man's land because yeah. they're used to playing like, you know, 10 game seasons. <laughs> and all of a sudden you have an yep. entire second half of a season to go. Um, yep. let alone the, you know, flexing of Thursday night games and everything else that's on the horizon here this season. Right. Right. So, and, I, and Jay, to, yeah, to your point, I mean, just being physically ready for 20 some weeks. Yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah. It, I mean, and mentally, you know, how do you get yourself, you play, you, you know, when you play 17 games, you're not going to feel great at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday for every game. No. Right. When you go, when you walk into that locker room, well, that's right. Yeah, and you're just not gonna. So you have to find a way to get yourself ready. That's the old you adage know, of "Are you hurt or are you injured?" Right. You know, there's a difference mm-hmm. there, and well, it's just exactly. it. Like you said, if it's the whole thing, mentality-wise, mentally, just saying like you got to get used to the discomfort of just not feeling a hundred percent, and that's where having a late mm-hmm. buy, I think, is going to be beneficial with that. I also think it's one of the things when you look at the veterans and you understand when they were walking in with like. Uh, you know, hyperbaric pants and stuff like that, just to try to help themselves do whatever they could to, to recoup <laughs> during training camp. The idea then is going to be, you know, literally 20 weeks from now yeah. that might be paying dividends. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, you understand, right. especially with the veterans, so much of it turns into body maintenance. I just remember, you know, Kendrick's talking about how he's, he's like, yeah, I get a massage on Monday and Tuesday. And everyone's like, oh, it sounds great. And he goes, yeah, it's, the the worst worst, it's the worst couple hours of my week mm-hmm. because he's like, this isn't mm-hmm. one of those like you go in and relax. This is one of those like they're going to be digging deep mm-hmm. tissue massage mm-hmm. type stuff. And so for those guys, right. it's just getting into their routine to figure out whatever they can do to get their body back yeah. into shape as fast as possible. No, you're right. And when it comes to stuff like ice tubs and you know, you, you have to start doing that before. If you wait until you start, if you wait until your, you know, your legs are tired and you're sore to start doing some of those things, it's too late. Right. Pete, why you did you, why did you wait money. so long? What do you mean? <laughs> well, we didn't, you? well, back when I played, we didn't have ice. <laughs> It was uh, true. Oh, yeah, we didn't have we didn't have ice. We didn't have tubs. We Actually, didn't have any of that stuff. You kind of did in Minnesota, at least in the <laughs> exactly. back end just, of the season. You just go get some snow and throw it in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know that's that's what it was. Speaking of the rookies, though, uh, Pete, you, you had a chance to break down every single rookie that was drafted in this year's draft class. Uh, that's on Vikings.com right now, and uh, you. Jay Ward, I, I've never seen you so excited to to watch film on a rookie than when I saw you breaking down Jay Ward's film, safety from from LSU. Uh, what what players on this current roster or what year one guy do you think can make an impact early on this year? Um, I, I, I expect Jordan Addison, obviously, to make an impact. I think he's, um, as a route runner and as a player, he's a little bit further ahead than a lot of rookies. He's not a guy that has, um, let's just say, uh, he's a height, weight, speed guy and just is a little bit raw. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's definitely um, more refined, pretty well-rounded. So I expect him to be able to fit into an offense and start doing some things right away. You know, I think Makai Blackman has a, a great opportunity too, just because of the numbers, right? He's not, he doesn't have to, mm-hmm. he doesn't have two or three or four, you know, established 
well-paid, uh, you know, cornerbacks in front of him. I think his game is going to be a lot like Byron Murphy. So he just needs to show up in training camp and handcuff himself to Byron Murphy and wherever Byron goes and does, he does the same thing. Right. I mean, that's for him, but uh, for Jay, you know, Jay Ward, I love, I love Jay Ward because I think his leadership on the field, he played multiple positions. That means he understands, you can't play multiple positions and just understand what that specific spot does. Right. That's kind of how, when you first show up, that's what you learn. You learn one position and I know, I do this and then I do that. And, you know, this is what I do. But when you have to move around and play multiple spots, you have to begin to understand the system and know why, right? I have to know why when a receiver goes in motion and this front coverage, the corner is going to run with them. Uh, But in this coverage, we have to bump and the safety is doing this. So that means I do that. I mean, it's a, it's a better, bigger, broader understanding of the game. And I think it's going to pay dividends for him, but the way the the thing about Ward is just how he flies around and hits, and he's one of the best tackling guys that we've drafted in a long time. And I think about that, and I think about Koizy Dolphomenza's tie to the 49ers, right? And when you watch a 49ers game, what makes that defense so good is that when a receiver or somebody catches a ball and they get hit, they go down right away. Yeah. The Niners' defense, they're a very, very good tackling hard hitting defense and you know you think ah, what's the big deal you know if the guy falls forward or whatever but you throw the ball 50 times a game and if if they're getting you know two three four five yards of contact or you know yards after contact my god that that adds up that's the difference between third and seven and third and let's say five or yeah. four and what does that mean for the defensive line, right? What does that mean for Bosa? It, 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 that little, that little bit changes so much. And that's what I really like about Ward is, is on film. You watch that kid. I mean, there, there are plays where he's not even in the picture on the film. Then all of a sudden he's flying in and laying somebody out. He's throwing his body around, you know, it's kind of old school. Right. And that, and I love that about that kid. He is not afraid he should be an unbelievable special team. Arizona's they don't fair catch every kickoff return this year, I guess. <laughs> Good uh, luck with but, that. You know, I expect <laughs> I expect to see you know him when he gets in there to make an impact. He's he's the kind of guy that in the preseason you're gonna I, th- I think you're gonna hear his name quite a bit, and he's gonna stand out because of him of, of, of you know by lowering the boom on some people. So mm. I'm excited about seeing that kid run around. Yeah, that's a lot of there's excitement surrounding that. You know, I think the last guy that really felt that way, I mean, Harrison sticks his nose in a lot of plays just in creative ways. But the last guy I really remember being kind of that guy that the fans absolutely dug into and loved was when we acquired Antoine Winfield Sr. Because Antoine was a guy that he would diagnose a play so insanely fast to figure out if this is a runner pass and then either knife in to stop the play at the line of scrimmage or, you know, stick a guy when he got a chance. And 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 mm-hmm. if you can find that kind of attitude defensively, especially secondary-wise, I mean, the secondary going into this year, you've got people who have been around for the last couple seasons that have, have made some plays, but I feel like even like you're talking about with Makai too, there's a lot of opportunity here still. I don't think that there's, you know, outside of at this point Harrison Smith, and, and there's just going to be a ton of competition for who's going to be the potential starter on game, you know, game one for the regular season. So right. it just yeah. feels like those guys have an opportunity that if they do become tenacious and show the right traits, they might get a shot earlier than people would think. 
Yeah, and and I mean, speaking of Anton Winfield Senior, there were there were you know I I uh, when I was there coaching, we had Ted Cottrell as the defensive coordinator. Ted Cottrell coached Antoine over in Buffalo for a number of years, and uh, Ted Cottrell being there was was a, I think a big reason why Antoine chose Minnesota. But when you watch him on film, offenses didn't know if he was blitzing. He yeah. read the run so quickly. They're they they're looking and saying, is this a is this a is this a blitz or is this him just reading it? I mean, the opportunities I think if you if we look at our defensive back group over the last couple of years, all these guys, the the guys, you know, when you ask and say, well, who's it probably going to be in the backfield? It's going to be who stays healthy. Yeah. And our 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 backfield has been plagued by injury, and it's and and that's what's kept guys from developing. That's what's kept guys off the field i mean you look at uh you know you look at you look back at the career with us with cameron dantzler and cameron just couldn't find a way to you know he made some plays he started to make some plays and you think finally the guy's turning the corner but he's got to stay on the field and then as soon as a couple things go well he's you know he's out again and you know that's the part of the that's the underrated part of the game i mean you know you, you know if you look at justin jefferson and, you know, because we, we talk on the radio all across the country about, you know, Justin Jefferson and what do you think and all that. And you're like, hey, this guy stays on the field. He's out there all the time, all the time. He doesn't, you know, those guys, the guys that are, are the great players are the ones that consistently play 16, 17 games a season. Right. They're not the guys that miss six weeks here and four weeks over there, and, you know, because you, you, you have to be on the field. And the younger you are, the more sense, more important it is that you stay healthy and get out there and get your reps and learn the game. I mean, look at you talk about the evolution of a player. Look at JJ. We go and we play Detroit at home, and they quick jam him at the line of scrimmage with a little safety help over the top, some middle open, that kind of thing, and they shut him down. Right? He they, he 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 didn't really do anything that first game against Detroit. Well, he played again the next week, and then teams try to copy it, right? It's a copycat league in that respect, so all the teams try to do it. So he's he's working on different things. The coaches are working on different things. And by the end of the season, you saw a lot of his big plays coming against that exact same type of coverage. But if he wasn't around for four weeks, six weeks, in, in the middle of the season, he never would have been able to take that step. You know, So he's sitting there going, okay, I don't care how you want to defend me. I've seen it, right? I know how to beat it. We know what we're going to do with it, right? Uh, and, and, you know, Cousins knows too. And so it, you build on those things, but you have to stay on the field mm. to do that. It's a cumulative amount of knowledge that you have to create. So you can't play and learn a bunch of things like, you know, like Dantzler did, and he was making plays, and all of a sudden, instead of building on it, he's out for another couple, three, four, five weeks or yeah. whatever. And then, and then you get back on the field and, and you're just trying to get back to the speed of the game again. And you're, you know, you're constantly one forward, two back. And so for that group, that defensive back group, I don't have a crystal ball, but my money's on the guys that could stay healthy. The classic Pete Bursich phrase of you can't make the club in the tub is absolutely yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nowadays it's a little different in that respect. Um, you know, but to your point, Jay, you know, I look at my career and, and, and my, I played as long as I did because I could play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. I had to, I had to, right. I had to know the base, the nickel, the blitzes, everything for more than one spot. And because I was able to do so, that's what kept me around. The other thing was, is I did not miss, no, I missed one day of training camp. And that was when my son was born. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I missed 24 hours of training camp. And, but other than that, I never missed a practice in training camp. I was going to say how you selfish know, of my, you, Pete. In my career. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I mean. That was, that was a different time. It was a little bit of a different time back then. But Absolutely. it was, a, yeah, I remember it. It was a Monday after a Giants preseason game that we got beat pretty badly. So it was going to be an absolutely horrific Monday. Mm. And I was on, it was Monday morning. I'm the tape, get my ankles taped, and then the phone rang. And I'm, you know, so I still owe, you know, repeat my son, P, you call him repeat. Yeah, I still owe him. I owe him the rest of my life because he got me out of that day of practice. <laughs> Pete, I want to, um, Talk about, you know, I know you're a defensive guy, so we got to talk defense before we get you out of here. Just in your years of covering slash coaching the Vikings, have you seen this many players rave about this defense this early on in the offseason? Like, granted, I mean, there's only going to be positive things that are coming out from each team. But for, you know, offensive players, defensive players talking about how great Brian Flores' schemes have been thus far. Like, have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you see that. I mean, what else are you going to, I mean, think about it. So if you're a skeptic, you're going to be like, all right, well, what else are they going to say? <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? You're not going to be like, yeah, it's the same stuff we did last year. Cause then everybody be, Oh my God, we're, you know, um, Flores is a different, he's, he's as different of a coach as I think you can get from a personality standpoint, intensity standpoint. Um, but it's important that the players like what they're doing and that, you have players that fit your scheme and, and I can just, um, you know, I haven't seen a single practice. I have no idea, um, you know, what they're doing, uh, but you can kind of guess at it by the people that they've brought in. When you look at a Mikai Blackman and his resemblance to Byron Murphy, you know, they're not sick. They're not the six foot two jam type corners and that kind of thing. They're, they're man to man cover guys, right? These are the kinds of guys that are going to want that you're, you know, Mer- Brian Murphy is is as good of a man-to-man cover guy as I've seen in quite some time, right? Are there some things that I would like to see him do better? Absolutely, but it's not anything to do with coverage. <laughs> it's right. definitely not anything to do with man-to-man coverage um, and his versatility because he can play. He plays nickel. He plays corner. I mean, you know, you you say this, all right? You, you're playing Devontae Adams, and you're like, well, we'll just put Byron Murphy on him. Right. You know, people say that during the week. They're like, well, this, we'll, this, we'll lock this guy. We'll handcuff him to him. And you're thinking, yeah, if you're playing man to man, I guess, yeah, you can do that. But if you're playing zone, you don't, you don't know what, if you're playing nickel or corner or wherever that guy lines up, if he lines up at number three, you're basically a linebacker. So you have a linebacker drop, right? You have to have somebody that can process all that. It's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, but Murphy can do that. And I've seen him do that on film. Um, he, you know, he's, he's a very, very smart player. And so I think we're going to be a lot more challenged and we're going to challenge more receivers more. And I think in this day and age, disrupting the timing of an offense is imperative. And how do you do that? Well, you, if you're playing five yards off, you can't because you, once you get past five yards, you can't touch the receiver. So you're going to have to get, get down in the paint more and challenge and bump and do those things because, Timing is, is is everything nowadays with the, with these quick throws and everything else. So um, as far as the front goes, you know, I I mean, I, you, you take a look at a guy like, you know, Jaqueline Roy, who when he played a zero nose technique at LSU, he was very, very good, right? We've seen Miami play some bare fronts. Um, although the interesting part is that this is the, the really the first time I think Flores has been a defensive coordinator, yeah, able to title. do whatever it is that he wants to do. I mean, he was a signal caller 
in New England, but that's the system, that's the scheme that they that you know that they run there. Belichick runs. That's what you do. It's a system. And then he goes to be a head coach. So then he hires a defense coordinator. So how much of his defense was in that? You know, he hired a guy that came from his name off the top of his head, but he came from New England. Um, but you know, a lot more, you know, some bare fronts and not three, four per se, but a little more bare fronts, mm-hmm. um, a lot more man to man. They liked, you know, Miami's played with some smaller defensive ends and some smaller outside linebackers, guys that can run, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, what they do. And I think there are going to be some big changes at the linebacker position, with just how they play that position. I, I just, Expect them to be much more downhill. A lot of people you like gotta that. You got to do something. You got to do something with the run game, my friends. You yeah. know, and I think getting the linebackers up and downhill, and you know, you know those kind of that that's going to be that's going to be huge. And I cannot wait to see Ivan Pace get downhill on somebody because he's he's <laughs> like a little tank, man. He's he's I have. I haven't been this excited to see an undrafted rookie free agent play in quite some time. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that kid go out there and light somebody up. I love that. Pete, we're going to get you out of here with this. Uh, over the past weekend, um, Bud Grant uh, was, was in the news for obviously positive reasons. One, um, we celebrated his life last week, and then we had a podcast uh, on you know just his life this past week on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. But two... Kevin O'Connell was gifted a tie was gifted the tie that Bud Grant wore at his Hall of Fame induction um, years ago. When, when you saw that picture, where were some things that came to mind? You know, in the in the religion of football, that's a relic, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's that's a relic, right? I mean, it. it um, I thought that was pretty pretty amazing, and it, it's. You know, so for KOC, it's a reminder. And that's what, you know, that's what Bud did. I mean, think about that. Bud, he's as much of that franchise as any, you know, as a, you know, as a Fred Zamberletti. You got to put him in the Mount Rushmore of the, of the Vikings. And that, but he stuck around. He was there. And even when I was coaching uh, when Mike, you know, with Mike Tice and, you know, Bud was around and he was always, he was always there to give his two cents. He was always there to give uh, the big picture. Um, and that experience and, you know, Bud knew how anyone who played for Bud knew how, you know, knew this, that he knew how to motivate people. And that's, that's, that's huge. That's key. Cause not everybody gets motivated the same way. You just have to know how to press everybody's buttons. And Bud was, was, was unbelievable at that. He knew, he knew the guys that he had, he knew how to press their buttons. He knew all those things. Um, and, you know, yeah, just a fountain. You talk about a fountain of knowledge. I mean, oh my God. Uh, so him having an office in that building for as long as he did, uh, his his even when he wasn't the head coach, he left his his mark on this franchise. And and uh, you know there aren't many like him. I mean, stoic. He's as stoic as a Minnesotan can be, right? I mean, that's kind of what that's what we you know I've been loved about him. But um, yeah, what a great what a great man. What a what a wisdom. You know, what a wealth of wisdom of not just football but life too and how to live with football so um yeah uh i think that's i think for kevin o'connell that's that's a a, a tremendous reminder just look at the wall see that tie you know what yeah. would bud do right <laughs> you know what i mean it, and you have those moments when you're there so um it's 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 uh it's sad 
It's it, sad, but you know, Bud left a legacy boy. I tell you that for sure. And that's the thing too. You know, you're looking at it; it's almost kind of the passing of the torch. It's the passing of the tie on that one. Right. The other thing for me, you know, kind of tongue in cheek too, a little bit, is the whole idea that he still had it around after all the garage sales and everything <laughs> that had gone on. But, <laughs> I think I think the thing exactly. for Bud. I, I think, like you, you touched on, I think that the fact is, you know, he's going to be the kind of uh, grandfather slash lion of the organization for years to come. You know, you hear about the, you know, Lombardi side and the Grant side and everything else with those guys. He's left the legacy. He's set the, helped set the foundation and the tone of what it meant to be a coach. You know, so he was successful, mm-hmm. got to Super Bowls. They didn't win them. But at the same point, just everybody to a T basically said, the way that he handled himself, he not only was a coach, but he was a leader and uh, just kind of helped set a bunch of, um, you know, headstrong men uh, who are the alpha of the alphas oh, for yeah. playing. Um, you know, you knew he was the voice in the room that 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 yeah. set the tone for everything. So I think, um, you know, one of the things about having this happen and passing that to O'Connell, especially in going into year two, it's just kind of like you said, it serves as a reminder of kind of the legacy of what you're trying to build and where you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. too. So hopefully Kevin can get to that point and surpass him. Have you ever, have you ever heard the Bud Grant, Carl Eller story about the pregame meal and the pancakes? No, no go for it. Like, that one, that one, that one's my favorite ever. All right. Well, so Bud, <laughs> you know, so this is a story Bud told about with Carl Eller. I mean, if anybody knows Carl Eller, he's not, he's not a very, he's, he's, He's moose. He's tough. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a guy that you're still afraid of, even though he's I don't know, he's seventy something right now. Yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, Carl came in at the pregame meal, I guess, and you know, he wanted pancakes, and they didn't have pancakes. So you know, Carl, then this is Bud telling a story. So he's like, Carl comes over, and he's like, "Where are the pancakes?" And he's like, "Well, we don't we don't have them at the pregame meal." So he took the table you know, and picked it up and just flipped it over, you know, with all the, with everything on it, right. With all this, all the, the drink, you know, whatever, just flipped the table over. And he's like, everybody's looking at, at Bud. And everyone's like, well, Bud, what did you do? He goes, I got him pancakes. <laughs> you know I mean? like, I, and you think about that. It's like, you know, the, the, the brilliance of that where he's like, okay, I got a guy who's flipping tables over because he wants pancakes. I'm going to get him that so he can go out on the field on Sunday and, you know what I mean, and, and take <laughs> care of it. Some people be like, oh, my God, that's unacceptable. And how could he do it? Bud's like, yeah, no, I love that. I love that about him. He understood you know, his I love, players. I, I want that. I want people like that who are going to be like that. And, you know, so he's like, yeah, I got him pancakes. <laughs> but that's Bud, right? That's the simple what do you, you know? What did you do? It's like, well, I got him pancakes. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> solve problem, solve. Now Carl won't flip tables and pregame meal. He'll go out there and crack skulls when he's out there on the field, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the way he told that story is was uh, was absolutely brilliant. Is br- absolutely brilliant. That that's that's how you end a podcast. You end a podcast with a great mm-hmm. Bud Grant story. Um, Mr. Pete Bursich, former Vikings linebacker, former Vikings coach, still serves as the color commentator for the Vikings radio network. It is never a dull moment talking to him, whether that's Bud Grant stories or just life in general. Uh, but speaking on Vikings football, uh, it was recently announced that the Vikings will host two joint practices this year against the Arizona Cardinals and the Tennessee Titans during training camp this year. Minnesota Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell addressed the media today and gave his thoughts on what that means for this Minnesota Vikings team. 
Before I take any questions, I did want to uh, provide an update to you guys regarding training camp, at least um, a big part of it for us. Um, we're really excited uh, to let you guys know that we will be ho hosting joint practices, uh, not just one time this year, but twice. Um, we will be welcoming the Titans and the Cardinals here to our facility um, before our, our week two and week three preseason games. Uh, will give us a tremendous opportunity uh, to have really four four plus days of, of really good competition. Um, you know, I know both uh, Coach Vrabel and, and, and Coach Jonathan Gannon, uh, both those guys I have personal relationships with. I know what kind of leaders they are. I know what kind of teams they'll be bringing here, uh, ready to make sure we get some great work. Uh, but the, to be able to have that um, is a critical, critical part of our training camp formula to try to be at our best uh, when the season rolls around. We've got such amazing facilities here. Um, pretty, uh, I don't know if there's a better uh, facility in the entire NFL. In fact, I know there's not. Uh, to ho host your training camp, allow fans to be here, um, but ultimately also host two NFL teams in back-to-back -back weeks and they can feel comfortable and confident that they're going to come here and be provided what they need uh, to get ready for the season as well. So really excited about that. We'll let you guys know the exact details of what that looks like as we approach uh, training camp, uh, but wanted to make sure you guys were aware of that and uh, something we're really excited about. Exciting news, Vikings fans. Once tickets become available, I'm sure we will be posting something, so stay tuned to Vikings.com for the most up-to-date coverage of the team. For Pete Bursich, Jay Nelson, Eric Davidson, my name is Gabe Henderson. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>